I say it this year, and, and I'll, I'll say it again, it really is a gift to hear this Christmas story. Some of you may have heard this story before, and others of you, maybe this is the first time in a long while that you've heard it, or maybe the first time ever. I have a bit of a confession to make. Uh, I have this strange habit during the year of wanting to skip over reading the Christmas story when I work my way through the Gospels. I don't know if any of you feel this before. I'm just like, okay, it's not Christmas. No need to read, so I'll just skip it sometimes. Just jump over it. I've heard this story before. I've actually acted out nearly every single character on stage at Christmas Eve or Christmas services, spare being baby Jesus. Somehow, though, this story has lacked any luster. Sometimes it actually lacks amazement. As if I have it pinned. We know this. God dwells with us in this baby Jesus. Fully God. Fully human. Lord over the entirety of the cosmos. The maker of all things new. Why do we need to read this again? But this year, there was a refrain, a line with us this morning. It's the angels speaking to the shepherds. And they say this, Behold, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The angel declares to Mary, Behold, you will become pregnant. You will give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. To the shepherds, the angels say, Behold, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. This word, idu, behold, pay attention, be aware, marks the transition between Advent and Christmas. In the words of Emily Hunter McCowan, the season of Advent is the season of waiting that always leads to the season of wonder. A season of waiting that always leads to a season of wonder. And so this word, behold, marks that transition for us. If you've been with us for some time, you know that we've been in a series going through the early chapters of the story of Scripture, Genesis 1-3. through And we ended our sermon series in Genesis on this tone of watching and waiting. We see Eve and Adam, the man and the woman, in their rebellion, are sent away from the garden of paradise by God. God guards the entrance by an angel, a flaming sword. The question that we actually need to ask ourselves, will God and humanity ever be in partnership again? And so we watch and we wait. In the season of Advent, we remember that there were 400 years of silence where God did not speak in explicit ways to His people. Watching and waiting. Will this partnership ever be renewed again? But the wonder of this Christmas season is that the God who sent Adam and Eve away is the same God who will lead us back into paradise yet again. Behold, this is good news of great joy. At reality, we've been using this word resonance that we want moments of resonance with our Creator. Moments where God's presence is felt, is palpable. 
where there's a thin space between heaven and earth, moments of God's reaching out to us by His Holy Spirit in ways that we cannot comprehend or control. And at Christmas, we see perhaps the most baffling way that God reaches out to us. And so this morning, for the next few minutes, I invite you to join me in beholding the wildness of this story. Not to brush it off, not to ignore it, even if you've been every character in the play. But to stand in bewildering joy at God's arriving in the person of Jesus. Consider reality, what length God has gone to to be our comforter, to be our healer, to be our Savior and our Redeemer and King. It really is a bewildering story. And so, let's take a look at these shepherds again. The angel knows that these average human beings, these shepherds, they are not prophets. They are not priests. They are definitely not the expected recipients of any form of divine revelation. The angels know that they will have trouble receiving this divine news. And so the angels begin by saying, do not be afraid. Do not stand in apprehension. This is real. This is happening. Instead, behold. The story of Scripture often refers to people without God as people living in darkness. Here we see the shepherds working late into the night with no LED flashlights. And then they see the glory of the Lord shining around them, encompassing them in light. Take stock, the angels say, to you below average workers. You are the first hearers of the most significant news to be received in all of humanity. It will make your body, the bodies of all people, resound with the joy of contentment. The Lord has arrived. The season of Exile from the garden has now expired. This season of lament and waiting that some of you know all too well. Waiting and watching. Will God actually arrive in the midst of my pain and my hurt and my confusion, my questions, my anxiety and my stress? The season of exile has ended. The crocus blooms in the desert. The thorns actually turn to roses. Behold, the angels say to the shepherds in darkness with the light shining around them. Behold, this is how you will actually know that this has come to pass. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. We hear this line and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. This is how the angels declare to the people that their Savior has arrived. This is the sign. A baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Sometimes God's plan of moving us from seasons heavily marked by Genesis 3. Years of waiting. Months of lamenting. Dwelling in the land of curse and consequences. Sometimes God moves us from these seasons, but requires our attention. It happens in ways beyond common sense, in ways that we could never create for ourselves. It takes the angels to say, do not be afraid, but instead behold, this is the sign that you never could have expected. In a season marked by exchange, Christmas, there's gift giving, there's, there's all of these exchanges that we make with people. 
But I invite us today to consider, to contemplate the exchange of God taking on flesh, making His dwelling with humanity forever, taking residence with us as this baby. In a 4th century Christmas sermon, Augustine tries to put this bewilderment to words and writes this about the baby Jesus born. The maker of man became man, that he, ruler of the stars, might be nourished at the breast, that he, the bread, might be hungry, that he, the fountain, might thirst, that he, the light, might sleep. Church, in this baby, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, we behold the face of our Creator. In this baby, we behold the hands of our Sustainer. In this baby, we see and behold the invisible God in all of His radiance. We behold in this baby In this mouth, the word that brings us fullness of life. And so behold, God has arrived. And also he arrived just like you did. A baby. Stand amazed, I say. Stand amazed at this glorious exchange. The God of perfect contentment, needing nothing has come down in abundance. The Creator that breathed life into Adam, the potter who formed the woman, has taken on the fullness of what it means to be human to reveal to each of us our God-given gift of being an image-bearer in its truest form. In another 4th century Christmas sermon, John Chrysostom says this, God came in human flesh in the form of a baby because This is the only way that we have a fighting chance of trying to comprehend the goodness of God's arrival. If Christ were to come in full maturity as an adult on the cross, our infant faith would not be able to grasp it. We need time to adjust. We need time to behold, to become aware of actually how good and true and beautiful This infant is in whom we behold the face of our Creator. A baby, a child, meek and mild. What kind of God is this? We have a God of grandeur who arrives dangerously close to us by self-emptying. Come, come let us adore this God. He says you are worthy. I felt this yesterday as I was praying for us. He just says, you are worthy to behold my face. You are worthy to hold me as a child, dangerously close. You are worthy to draw near to me, and I will draw dangerously near to you. So the angels declare all this, and the shepherds run off. They they find this child. They say that they could not help but share this message. And people, all the people that heard this from them were amazed. It says they stood in amazement. The shepherds then returned to their average jobs, glorifying God for what they had seen, magnifying God's presence for what they had heard, what the angel spoke to them. They saw not Christ on the wood of the cross. They saw Christ in the wood of a manger. 
Sometimes we need to pause and behold that God for us. Christ, Emmanuel, with us. Christ marks the glorious exchange. The glorious exchange of a God of fullness and contentment coming to earth in our skin and bones. God reaching out to us in a way that we can try to comprehend. But these moments of resonance, of God's presence dwelling, that are palpable and felt, is not simply God's reaching out. It actually requires our response to reach back. A response to reach back. Our own grasping of this greatest of gifts, grabbing the person of Jesus instead of the fruit from the tree of our own kingdoms and our own plan, leading to further curse, to further consequence. Instead, he says, reach to me, the giver of life. The coming of Jesus, fully God, fully human, also invites us to behold one more bewildering exchange. That curse-ridden humanity gets to participate in the fullness of divinity. There's one other character that uses this word behold in the story that I want to draw our attention to. This character is Mary. The one who bears Christ. The angel approaches her, this lowly teenage woman, away from the earshot of others, on the edge of the Roman Empire. And the angel says, you are highly favored by God. The Lord, Emmanuel, is with you. And you will give birth to the one who will sit on an eternal throne. And in bewilderment, Mary asks a question that I am glad she asked. She said, how will this be? And the angel declares to her quite a wild story. You will conceive. You will give birth to a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. No word from God will ever fail. You are quite literally my image bearer. The bearer of my image in fullness. But in response, and this is where I want to just draw us in. In response, just like when the angels approached people in bewilderment, the shepherds, and said, hey, pay attention. Mary says, behold. Idu, pay attention, you angelic creature. I am going to declare something that will be surprising for all of humanity. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Yes, behold. I have paid attention. Let it be to me according to what you have said. In Genesis, we saw that Adam and Eve give their yes to the serpent, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they desired to become like God when they forgot that they were already made in the fullness of His image. They took it upon themselves, but here what we see is Mary giving her yes To become the tabernacle of God's dwelling. The dwelling place of the Almighty by the Holy Spirit. Poet and theologian and priest Malcolm Geit, in a sonnet about Mary, he wrote wrote this, or he writes this. You bore for me the one who came to bless and bear for all to make the broken whole. You heard his call. And in your open yes, 
you spoke aloud for every living soul. On this day, Mary says, yes, behold. And so she speaks forth in this yes to bear God and the fullness of human nature. She speaks for all of our souls to become the place of God's dwelling. Behold reality. Church, as Christ takes on human nature, we are invited in a strange way to also participate, as Peter says, as partakers of the divine nature. What an exchange. In Mary's yes, we now get to participate in the community of God's presence of fullness in this world and beyond. What an exchange. The Catholic Church, in their Christmas liturgy, declare these words together. They say, for through Christ, the holy exchange that restores our life has shown forth today in splendor. When our frailty is assumed by your word, not only does human mortality receive unending honor, but by this wondrous union, we too are made eternal. We respond in our yes to participate in the life of God. And so at Christmas, we do not only rejoice that despite our sin and our rebellion and our greed, God chooses to make His home amongst us by dwelling with His people in the flesh. We rejoice that He is still willing to make His home in our hearts. Transforming us deeper into His image, letting us participate like Mary in the fullness of His character. Behold, yes, this is good news. And so with Christmas, the season of wonder, I invite you to stand in admiration, beholding the God that is with us, that is unlike any other story that a God has displayed before. A God who participates in the fullness of our humanity. All of the parts, the fights, the anxieties, the hurts, the worries, and yet does so without sin and rebellion. A God who fully invites humanity to participate in the divine community. Reality, this is good news. This is not only good news, it is good news of great joy, of contentment. Not only is this good news of great joy, this is news for all people. All people. We are told to behold because there is a chance that we might miss it. We might miss this joy. Because it comes in ways that we don't expect. It actually comes in ways that we can't control. But we can behold our God and our Creator in the face of this child that we celebrate this Christmas season and His arrival. And so some of you have heard and seen this story before. Nothing has been new of what I've shared. But maybe like me, you need a reminder of actually how wondrous this story is. I encourage you, let your life be taken over by the will of God who makes Himself fully available to you this Christmas season. In the midst of the busyness, the points when you could easily ignore any invitation from God because you actually feel too busy to control your giving exchange to other people. Whether in conversation or by gifts, I invite you to pause 
in this glorious exchange of Christ coming before you and inviting you to participate. But some of you have also never heard this story before. Or never in a way that has grasped much of your attention. And so I invite you, as the angel said to these shepherds, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't stand in fear or apprehension. This actually is good news, but it is demanding news. As we see in the life of Mary, it demands of us our whole self, all of our plans, and yet we say that it is still the greatest news. Demanding of the most full of joys. Our whole bodies, our whole yes. And for some of you today, that invitation is made palpable for your yes to be made to Jesus. And so I invite us to stand amazed. Not at the exchange of our gifts, but instead at the bewildering joy of God's arrival in our world and His arrival into our whole selves. And so the proper response for us is worship and singing. Adam sang in response to when the woman was made. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Mary sings in response to the Lord. Saying that my soul can sing because you came and you acknowledged me. Your lowly servant. And so this day, even in our seasons of waiting, we respond in wonder that God would dwell with us. And so, reality, as the band comes up, I encourage you, behold, I give you good news of great joy. And it's for all of the people. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank You that You actually allow us to behold Your face. Jesus, I thank You that we can stand amazed that You would make Your residence amongst us. Jesus, I thank You that we stand amazed that You invite us in all of our brokenness and hurt and worry, all of our own kingdom making, to participate with You in the divine community. And I ask for those who have heard this story before, would You draw us into a new sense of wonder of how bewildering this story is? And would You draw us to respond with joy? And Jesus, I pray for those who have never heard this story until today, would You invite them to respond in fullness of joy, giving their yes to You. In the name of Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.